Get Heavy Podcast, hosted by Craig Casamas and John Scheimer. How's life otherwise, man? Good. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's 2020, good. Right, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's about as good as it's going to get, right? Yeah, and there's nothing, uh, nothing's wrong, so that's good, right? Right. Yeah. Family's been good. You guys haven't been sick. No one got the COVID around yet. Nothing. No one's been sick. Claudia and I still believe that we had it in the beginning back in uh, January. Uh-huh. And, oh, way uh, in January, huh? Yeah. So um, I got really, really sick. Um, gnarly flu respiratory and it got so bad. I, I had to go to urgent care one night because I, I couldn't breathe. Wow. And uh, so I go to urgent care and they they just say, oh, you have a, a virus, give it two weeks. And uh, at that time, we'd only heard of it, right? Uh-huh. We'd only just heard it. Barely. I've heard of it in China, China, even not even here, you know? Yeah. So there was a virus in China. But uh, anyway, um, so a bunch of people at uh, that I don't know if I should say, but the factory in Oxnard that a lot of our friends work at, Mm -hmm. a bunch of people there got sick. Mm -hmm. Well, it was right after NAM. Right. Right. And Mm -hmm. an entire wing of the convention center was Chinese. Right. And so don't tell me that it's not possible, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure, dude. And I mean, if you've never been to NAM, um, you know, for I'm sure most everyone knows what it is, but massive, massive music conference, you know, fucking all the vendors show their new wares for the year and you're talking i worked at a couple of years and it, i mean you're talking tens of thousands maybe even hundred thousand fucking people coming through there seriously like week. i mean probably I more mean, just figure how many vendors are there there's probably hundreds maybe I mean, thousands probably ten thousand there yeah very pot yeah very i mean possible. in terms of total staff and you figure if an entire wing of the convention center was uh chinese mm-hmm. i mean come on the yeah. probability of it being here mm-hmm. in January or sooner is very likely. We mm-hmm. just didn't know what the hell we were dealing with. Yeah. So whatever. Yeah. But I believe been, I had it. Have you been tested for it since? So, uh, you know, they didn't really have any tests early on. Right. So in April I got a, um, antibody test. Yeah. And the the woman who the phlebotomist, uh, she said, she goes, even if you had it, she goes, it's not going to show up. I said, why do you say she goes, because antibodies don't last that long. Right. Yeah. So I, it turned out it was negative. But uh, um, who knows? I, yeah. I because of how sick I was and the fact that it was just a gnarly respiratory mm-hmm. infection, you know, I think the chances are at least 50 50 right uh, yeah who knows like like rosie rosie got it my you know uh we we, in march we all had it we think and i i I had a very small version of it i think i had some chest stuff but nothing major but rosie completely lost her sense of smell and taste for a solid week yeah kids got stomach flus fucking everyone was puking all of a sudden you know i was like oh no yeah you know and and then right then was maybe a week before the shutdown (laughs) You know, we actually went camping with the Shimers at the beach, right? You know, we had heard about it and all this. And, and so the week before the shutdown, uh, we all are camping at the beach, dude. And fucking King, the boy, 
soon as we get home, starts puking, and you're like, oh, fuck, you know what yeah. I mean? So here it is, and we think maybe stomach flu, whatever, but then Rosie got so weirdly sick that, you know, she totally, completely lost her sense of taste and smell, you know, for a solid week, lost like 10 pounds, she didn't want to eat, you know what I mean? And then the baby didn't get it, I didn't really get it, um, but I was trying to straight up, like, deep breathe like Wim Hof that shit out of my body yeah. <laughs> I was like freaking yeah. out doing like <gasps> these deep breathing after exercises trying to strengthen my lungs and shit taking tons of vitamins you know yeah um so I don't know I, and then I got tested for it the antibody test in June nothing you know what I mean? same so, thing too long too much know. time passed but it's so I don't a know. simple I, thing I, you know I lost a ton of weight but you know I lose weight when I get the flu so who knows yeah. I rarely get sick, man. I rarely, rarely get sick. I really don't get, I mean, once every five years, I'll get yeah. like a real actual fucking flu, unless it's a yeah. stomach bug or something, maybe once yeah. every couple of years, but um, I haven't had anything for me in a long fucking time, you know, Yeah. which um, with all this COVID stuff, it makes me nervous. You know what I mean? Cause I'm nervous. Cause yeah. you know, uh, I have issues and i've had asthma most of my life and you know it's what's frightening about it i think is uh they say you know younger healthier people typically have nothing to worry about okay great let's take that let's let's go with that except there's those uh, there are the few (laughs) who it completely fucks up right Right. or yeah floors them yeah and it's like I'm not really, I've never played Russian roulette and I don't think I would. And yeah. that's kind of how I feel with this is like, maybe you'll be fine or maybe you'll fucking die. Yeah. <laughs> it's like one out. or the other. <laughs> it's like, I'm either going to live or I'm going to die. There's two, no, yeah. well, and also right. we're not that young anymore. You know, <laughs> I know. Isn't that like, crazy? I know you got a few years on me, but I don't feel that fucking young anymore, man. Dude, it's great. Have you hit 40 yet? No, no. Oh, dude, it's going to fuck still, you up. It's going to fuck you up. It's I gonna... actually just did the math on my birthday this last year because I thought I was I, – I already thought I was 39. You know, okay. I had no idea, dude. Like, Rosie fucked me up and told me my birthday – like, told me my age one year, and I went with that, dude. And I, for a full year, thought I was a year older than I was. That's <laughs> and I, funny. I was like, oh, man, I did the math this year. I was like, hey, I'm 38. Fuck yeah, dude. Like, yeah. I, I think I just got an extra year. Right on. Yeah, but yeah, when I when I turned 40, dude, I was like uh I was messed up for like four years. Because <laughs> yeah. I couldn't handle it. I still can't handle it. It's just weird. I think yeah. it's weird. Like we don't you know, we partly I think culturally, you know, the you know, the culture that we're in, there's a youthful component to it, okay. right? Mm-hmm. And uh just sort of realizing there's all these things that, that we see in life that we gauge or that, you know, our benchmarks that we use. And like, uh, you know, when we were kids, you know, pro athletes were men and right. then, and then they were our age and now they're kids. Like I call them kids, right? right. Cause they're, they're 20. I mean, they're literally almost 30 years younger than me. It's yeah. freaking weird, man. Yeah. So it's just a lot of stuff like, relative that you kind of try to grasp and it's i'm 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 almost 50 i'm i'm a couple years away from 50 and a lot of our friends are now 50 and yeah it's just weird well it's like i remember when i was the young guy hanging out with you guys the 86 crew and all those you know what i mean especially like when you were at baker mark and 
you know, when the bands are going, it's like, we were the young little shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. we're probably the second generation of you, you know what I mean? Like compared to you guys. But now it's like, there's two more generations below me now, dude. And I'm like, oh. no, I don't know any of them. I, <laughs> I don't, don't either really, but you know, I know I, the generation been, right below me yeah. and I know there's a whole nother group of group of kids coming up right now, you know, which yeah. is, that's good. It's been, it's been great to see like the music. Well, before the world got shut down, but yeah, I mean the fucking shows were going off again. Yeah, the fuck, you know what I mean. It was cool to see punk bands and music coming back. You know, because yeah. for a long time there was a dry spell. Once, you know, uh, kind of you you guys went away. Glass and Ashes went away. You know what I mean. Wrath kept going and all that, but you know, and there's always a music scene. But you know that whole like that era, that Kenji Shack era. All that stuff, you know what I mean? Those Kenji Shack shows were fucking legendary. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? God, yeah, I, miss I didn't. I missed, I missed a lot of those. But, you? Uh, I, you know, I, I don't even remember which ones I saw anymore. But I, I do remember, uh, what was that band? Uh, uh, the grind, kind of grindcore band, uh, Bird. Uh, Ooh. Help me out, man. Uh, I no. Saying a name. I don't know. Gosh darn it! They play anyway. They, yeah, and they were so good. This was like probably towards the end uh, when they were doing shows there. Yeah. Um. Not birds in a row. They're they're that French band on Death Wish. Uh. uh come on. Anyway. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. Well, remember, but, I, I know that we, we saw victims there together, right? Didn't we? Or I think, you know, there were some really amazing shows that, that Kenji Shack, like for uh, people that don't know, it was like our buddy Kenji had a place. Basically, he lived on a farm in Oxnard and he had a shack that a handful of our friends basically squatted in. You know, they turned it into a pretty cool little DIY fucking house, but they would straight up do shows outside, like in the yard. You know what I mean? And run the power from the house and shit got wild, dude. I mean, couches yeah. were burned, pits were started. <laughs> I mean, uh, lots of chaos, lots of fucking, you know, the shows were insane. You know what I mean? There'd be two, 200 plus people in the middle of the fucking, of a field almost essentially. You know, what? it was just like, it was wild. And then the Halloween parties on top of that you know, <laughs> were ridiculous, you know? But, you know, you've always, you've always like surprised me with your, music knowledge you know what i mean and the you're you've always been this there you go you've always been into some serious like heavy shit you know what i mean like I, that's why me and you connected because you know in the world of brooke and the 86 guys and all that they all like you know the and we all like the same stuff you're you know archers of loaf and your your, your yeah. residents and all that you know all that stuff but like me and you connected because you write you like seriously fucking heavy tunes you know what i mean and, i i do but I even, you know, I had my time of uh, sort of veering away and kind of getting more into either the indie stuff like Archers or, you know, the whole kind of early, mid-90s, a lot of the indie rock stuff, mm. Super Trunk and uh, Pavement and shit like that, oh, yeah. which I loved all that stuff. Um, I still, I mean... Archers of Loaf, it's kind of hard to deny how amazing they are. But, yeah. you know, you take someone like Fugazi and Fugazi for me was kind of like the bridge. Mm. Like, you know, mindset, Fugazi was a hardcore band that didn't play hardcore music, right? Mm -hmm. And then they kind of spawned this whole 
you know, they influenced so many bands of that indie sort of era um, that for me, they were sort of the bridge between the two, you know, the hardcore and the indie rock kind of stuff. And, uh, but uh, I was like, it was weird in the, I guess the early nineties, I had, uh, I literally grew up punk rock, right? Like I started really young and it was all uh, a really, uh, I guess, fortuitous, uh, uh, it just happened. I had a babysitter who was uh, like a metalhead, right? So this is like in the eighties, right? Nice. And, um, <laughs> Man, she was a total, okay. yeah, total hash chick. Awesome. And uh, um, she gave me, um, I was in like fourth grade mm -hmm. and she gave me a cassette tape. And I remember, I even, I recall who made it for her, um, but I'll, I'll leave his name out. But anyway, uh, uh, the cassette was uh, Minor Thread Out of Step, Suicidal's first album, mm -hmm. Peter and the Test Two Babies. Nice and uh bad religions how can hell be any worse okay right so i'm like if if you're in fourth grade that so what i'm like 12 not even you're like 9 11 11 10 10 11 10 11 maybe you know what i mean so uh, let's nine call it 11, 11 whatever and uh um so anyway in fifth grade i met a kid named lewis and uh he lived actually right next door to montalvo school and uh he and I, he was into metal and stuff. And, uh, uh, he and I became friends and I started going to his house. Well, he had a sister in high school and okay. she was punk rock. And so like, not only did I fall in love with her, but she had an album collection that I didn't have access to. So okay. Lewis, Lewis and I became good friends. Right. And, yeah. you know, we, you know, burn in the, uh, you know, Rodney on the Rock albums, Crass albums, uh, mm -hmm. GBH was always, they were one of my first favorite bands and still are today. But uh, uh, so, you know, I got into, I mean, hardcore music at a really young age and stuck with it. And then, you know, all the years playing. So skipping ahead, kind of when the 90s came around, uh, everything for me was always harder, faster, harder, faster, harder, mm -hmm. faster. Yep. And, um, some of the, uh, early grindcore stuff, I, I loved, I always loved the music, even death metal. I liked the music. I couldn't handle the vocals. Right. I didn't mind if they were like yelling, but when they were like, yeah, I, I, I yeah. couldn't do that. Yeah. And uh, for the longest time that, so if I, once I heard that vocal style, I, I was done. Like I, I wanted to hear, you know, uh, you know, something like, you know, the singer of born against, you know, he's like really kind of yelling it out or, uh, mm -hmm. you know, lots of, you know, hardcore bands, uh, youth of today, uh, you know, I think of them and, uh, um, anyway again coming back to the 90s um at part of, part of it is being a musician you're you know you you find different inspiration from different places and uh um i think you know just the endless pursuit of harder faster music um when i heard music that was more melodic and kind of more 
I guess mellow, if you will. Um, it, I, I kind of got into it and, uh, I really enjoyed it. And I think it was sort of a break, sort of a change. So when you guys, you know, Mm -hmm. when you guys were, you know, middle schoolers coming in and you were, Mm -hmm. you know, you were into, you know, whether it was, uh, his hero or, uh, you know, Osrotten or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, I was like, it's good, but you know, whatever, you know, I, I, you know, I was in kind of a new, at that time, kind of a newer style hardcore, which, you know, people call it screamo, which I kind of don't like that, but, uh, um, that broad melodic hardcore genre. Really? I mean, yeah. But to me, a lot of it was, yeah, it was definitely melodic, but I mean, it's it's always just hardcore. You know, I could Mm -hmm. take a band, um, like 400 years who's super melodic mm-hmm. but they're hardcore through and through or you know that uh what was that uh i don't remember uh there was a label i think from uh uh richmond that was putting out a lot of good music in the 90s Ooh, uh, okay. sleepy time trio okay 400 years uh uh engine down was a pretty they were definitely more on the melodic side i wasn't a big fan of theirs but uh um i actually did like that i like that band a lot actually engine down frotus remember frotus oh yeah yeah Yeah, and they were you know to me i mean that was like the hardcore that i was into Mm -hmm. and uh it so it's kind of funny that it actually took me probably till uh, the late nineties actually is when I kind of went back and started listening to the crust stuff, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, hero yeah. and, uh, um, you know, whether it was crust or more grindcore type, you know, converge, I, mm-hmm. you know, converge is a weird band. Cause I've always kind of thought of them as a grindcore band. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. They're a weird one, man. They hit a lot of different genres at the same yeah. time, you know, they're, and, and, and they but they're just, unlike anyone you know, there's those very few bands, your Converge, your Neurosis, your fucking, all these bands where all of a sudden they come out and then that sets the bar for what you can be done. And you know yeah. what I mean? It's like everything Converge puts out, it's like there hasn't been a bad fucking record, especially no. since like Jane Doe. You know what I mean? Those well, first few records are great, you know, yeah. and they're really raw, but you had to be into hardcore, you know what I mean? Like that Boston style hardcore to really appreciate those first couple records, which didn't appeal to me at all. You know what I oh, mean? Okay. Um, but when Jane Doe came out and I did like, I liked them, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it was like the same thing as like cave in beyond hypothermia. Like that was a great fucking record. But when until your heart stops came out, that fucking record spoke yeah. to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that era, that late nineties era, when that, I think I, I mid, I guess it would have been late nineties when that stuff started coming out, that's what fucking really caught my attention. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause I didn't like the, the tough guy element at all you know I, mean? I never did either i mean uh floor punching and all that shit it's just like weird to me but deal. you know yeah. uh that would uh you know i'd see guys uh, at shows throwing just like random fists and shit and i would yeah. usually end up either pouncing on them or yeah. uh somehow like grabbing a hold of them and throwing them outside or something right. because i just you know uh we were at uh the sound uh sound city okay rock city rock, rock city. city yeah in camarillo and uh shoot 
we saw, uh, I think Nails was playing there, mm -hmm. right? Did Nails play there? Mm -hmm. And um, uh, this guy was just throwing haymakers and, mm -hmm. you know, landing wherever they would land. And wow. uh, he hit a friend of mine and he actually whiffed me, like he missed me by oh. inches. Yeah. And then at that point, he was just like a magnet for me. And I just kept watching <laughs> yeah, just him. Zero in on him. Just watching him. And uh, just watching kind of his behavior and his just uh, complete lack of, you know, care for other people. And he was whacking mm -hmm. people. Yeah. And I just couldn't handle anymore. I pounced on them and mm -hmm. ran them out. You know the, how they have a door to the yeah. front. Yeah. Ran them out. He fell and I just freaking landed on him and pounced on him. And I'm screaming <laughs> at him like an angry father. <laughs> like, stop <Yeah>. doing that. <laughs> and, I mean, thank uh, God you didn't like that shit, Barney, because... You know, for those of you who can't tell, Barney is a huge man. <laughs> a menacing, fucking terrifyingly <laughs> big man. Thank God you're nice. You know, thank God you didn't like to fucking pick up change and floor punch. You know what I mean? Because yeah, there might no. be actual dead bodies in Ventura. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that would suck. That would suck. <laughs> yeah, so, but it, dude, that, there's nothing that would make me more frustrated than people trying to have a good time and some dude just wants... And it's always like... If you're at the show where it's a hardcore show and every dude is doing that, I understand. Then it's not my fucking place to be anywhere near sure. it because it's not my. But when you're at a show and it's a fucking fun pit and there's one dickhead that wants to fucking throw the backwards fist or the kicks or whatever, you can't help but zero in on him like a ballistic fucking missile, dude. You know I agree. Because I mean? it disrupts the whole entire fucking flow of the flow of the show you know what i mean everyone's yeah. having a good time except for now no one could be in the pit because there's one guy fucking throwing yeah. kicks i would always make it a point to fucking you know try to maul him you know what I yeah mean? Just fucking maul him i did that i had to do that at a jawbreaker show once i mean That's fucking crazy. jawbreaker come on man like and there's yeah. some angry guy in the pit i'm like yeah. no dude like you're hurting good people and so you just gotta <laughs> stop but i know i kind of digressed from what we were talking about the hard music but uh so like I said, you know, it was uh, Gavin, actually, Gavin Peters actually turned me on. He and I were sharing a lot of music amongst ourselves. And uh, uh, he actually gave me Jane Doe. And oh. so that was like, uh, uh, that was a good change hearing that album, you know, there's always been albums in your life, right? Where you heard the first time and you were just floored by it and you're just like, you know playing it every single day re on repeat and that's oh, yeah. jane doe did that for me and so did um uh ironically years after it came out but um uh monuments to thieves oh yeah that album is just so insanely good it and is. uh um so yeah i you know i love that's kind of like part of playing too you know um I was in, you know, I started playing in bands when I was 12 mm -hmm. and through most of my life, um, I was never in a band that I loved. Okay. Oh, really? No, I, I played music that I liked, mm -hmm. but you got to, you know, you, you're putting what, four people together, sometimes yeah. five people together. And so you, you know, each of those people love something different. And so I never played what I loved, even if I liked it. 
And, you know, when I was a little kid playing shows, I didn't know what I was doing. So I loved it. Right. But I loved what I was doing and I wasn't a good enough musician to do anything about it. Right. right? And, <laughs> yeah. uh, um, well, at 12, but, I mean, you, you, you know, you have no right to be that good of a musician. You know? <laughs> right. Like, none so, of us are. Yeah. yeah. And so I just noticed, uh, my screen name is kind of wacky, but, uh, oh, it is? Um, I didn't even notice. Um, there you go. Uh, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I mean, that, uh, it's, that's hard. I mean, that's hard, man. I don't know. I, it's hard for me to wrap my head around because I've always been the main contributor in, I'd say 98% of my band. So I never wrote anything I didn't love. You know what I mean? Like it's, so that's a hard, that's a weird thing to fucking have to be be in you know what i mean so you admit to yourself you know well no so like put it like this so i i too feel that i wrote the majority of music in most of the bands i was in sure um so when i was a kid um the band i was in moral image um we had one guy in the band that was a superior musician to all of us mm -hmm. and so we all kind of like i you know sort of like gave him the go and then he ended up eventually leaving the band and the four of us who remained were kind of all on the same level and we had tons of fun together we played fun shows and parties and that's a great uh, name by the way moral image <laughs> yeah, yeah we were actually name. we were actually yeah. um moral image uh part two because uh so the guy the good musician uh, he was older than all of us, and he was in a band with our guitar player's brother, who was the singer of the original Moral Image, yeah. and they yeah. ended. And so when we were a band, our, we called our band Lost Cause, and we, we later found out that there was an English band yeah. with that name. Yeah. So we were searching for a name, and uh, Rich, our guitar player, who's the he's the guitar player in uh, Hyman Blasters. Yeah, okay. Sure. Okay. Rich Gooden. Yeah. And uh, so he said, why don't we call it Moral Image? It stuck. We went with it. And yeah, that was yeah. that. And uh, so in that band, uh, post Richard, uh, you know, it was really like literally, you know, three chord punk, right? It yeah. was just uh, really simple, fast, you know, was kind of one of our goals, fast and hard. And uh, mm. uh Anyway, so in that band, like I said, it was fun and I loved the band. But again, I wasn't a good enough musician to do anything otherwise, right? Mm -hmm. So skipping ahead, um, I went through a lot of bands that did nothing, right? You, you always, you're experimenting with people and it either yeah. works or it doesn't. But so jumping way ahead to um, Skinny Rogers. Mm -hmm. Remember that band? I don't, I never saw it or, yeah, okay. but I do, I remember the name, you know what I mean? Yeah. I was very so, young at the time. You know? Okay. So musically, I liked our band a lot. Mm. I hated our singer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like not personally hated him, hated the way he sang. The way he sang, yeah. yeah. And, but our guitar player, I was playing bass at the time and our guitar player and drummer, they really liked him, mm. and I fucking hated him. And I could never get over it. And so uh, to the point where uh, 
I kind of kept complaining and I think, you know, everyone kind of knew that I was disgruntled and he ended up leaving. I don't think we kicked him out. I think he just was kind of, he could tell that I didn't like him and uh, uh, he left and I took over the vocals and it was funny because we kept the same songs, but I changed all the vocal, all the lyrics, all the melodies and stuff. Well, I had never sung before ever. Right. And I was terrible. I was just horrible. At <laughs> Even it. worse than I was so bad. Oh, so bad. And, uh, um, but what that did do was that kind of opened up my transition to a, you know, becoming more of a vocalist and playing like, you know, damn it. I'm going to play the music I want to play. Right. And so that's when I started writing more like I'm just going to call it noise, like, you know, kind of that 90s, you know, kind of off math, rock, whatever you want to call it. But mm-hmm. really heavy, um, sometimes melodic, but screamy, mm-hmm. like angry vocals. And uh, that's when uh, we formed the band Hyper Attractive. And that was like we were around during the uh, kind of the really good, the prime uh, living room years. Oh, okay. Yeah. And like the uh, original one or the, which one? Uh, well, the original one, the original one. And then, you know, so it kind of went, what it was the original one, then it moved and then it moved back. Right. Yeah. I so, so but the yeah. original one at the, uh, what was it? Some kind of a community center or whatever. Yeah. It ended up being a church. It ended up being the yeah. hard to find show space. Right. Yeah. 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 But in a different room. Right. Yes. But that, that era of music I freaking loved. So mm-hmm. hyper attractive was the first band I was ever in that I loved. I loved the music that we were playing. Um, we had talent in all four musicians. Uh, we were friends and um, I loved it. And I, I just loved what we were playing and we were playing super fun shows uh, with really great bands. And um, there was an era that I freaking loved and uh, um when that band ended, I was like devastated. I, it was like, you know, ending, you know, getting dumped by somebody you're in right. love with who, you know, they don't love you anymore. And yeah. it was, it, that was really hard for me. And it, it actually took my motivation to play away it and uh, it did completely. Wow. And so that was like, I'm going to say 97 ish. Yeah. It would have had to been. Cause if that was like in the Unabombers era, the patient zero era, yeah. that, that was like one of the first fucking shows I ever went to. Now, I don't know that you guys played, but no. I went, the, one of the very first real punk shows I went to was at that hard to find or the yeah. living room. And it was like patient zero Unabombers. Fuck. I don't know who else, you know what I mean? But I got yeah. Buck, made, Buck like completely made fun of me. You know what I mean? <laughs> It's the first second I met him, you know, it yeah. made me feel like a total moron, you know, because I was like a Christian punker. So I was already like target on my back for him, you know. Anything. He was so good at doing that. I know he's a fucking pro, dude. All right, yeah. you know, he's the best. Um, but uh, it, were you working at Record Outlet at the time? Yeah, you were. Yeah, I started there in '92. Yeah, so I remember like one of my first real interact. I really had to think about this a while ago, but we're. I'll start. You know, Bill. I'm playing with Bill now, right? So Bill's in tongue. 
Oh, okay. Benson, right? So yeah. Anyway, we we're talking, and he—I completely fucking forgot he worked there too, right? Yeah. And so uh, I remember I, I, I was, we we're talking about old times there. And I remember as like a very young kid coming into that shop and walking up to you at the counter with a fucking dead Kennedy's record. And I can't remember what it was, but you're all not nah, kid. That's the wrong one. Go put it back and get this one. And I'm all, what, what do you mean? <laughs> it's the wrong one. <laughs> and he gave me like fresh fruit or he gave me something like, he, uh. gave me some, he told me to get some other record. And I just remember you being like so dead serious. And I was all, okay. <laughs> and I just like walked back and I grabbed that one. And you're all, that's the one. That's so funny. <laughs> like, okay, dude. You know, That's you weren't so mean about it. You didn't insult me at all. Yeah. Just, like you could tell I was like totally lost and like I think I had like misfits fucking Earth A D. You know what I mean? And I had I can't remember what fuck whatever the shitty dead DK album is now. I can't even fucking remember. I, I couldn't really remember now. One, but, but you literally uh. you're all that's the wrong one, dude. The wrong one. <laughs> so <laughs> funny. So oh, apparently, the wrong one, dude. apparently I did that like to that a one. number of people with a number of records. And yeah. so, because I've heard this story time and again, and yeah. uh, frankly, I don't recall doing it, but uh, I'm yeah, kind of happy I did. Yeah, no, 100%, dude, because I got to become that person like at Salzer's for years, you know, like yeah. you could tell, you could see it like you'd have a kid with a stack of fucking CDs and it's like, you should really be listening to this one. You know what yeah. I mean? And, and fucking 99% of the time, you're dead ass right. You know, yeah. you did it with no ego. You did it with no like sarcasm in your voice, not a hint of like making fun of me. You just like flat out is like, here's the facts, dude. Like, <laughs> so funny. and I always remember because I'm like this at you. You know what I mean? I'm like, you know, all of fucking 12 years old, like staring up into the sky, you know? That's funny. And, uh, yeah. I just remember, and I remember it was Zach, maybe? Yeah. What, yeah, and like Zach just started laughing like super hard. You know what I mean? That's when funny. I did the walk of shame back to the vinyl bin and then back up to the counter. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was just so funny, man. I was that's hilarious. Stuff like uh, we were talking about that stuff a couple of weeks ago at practice, you know, and like God damn, dude, it was totally Barney. I didn't, I didn't even think about it. You know what I mean? I mean, it never in all the many years I've known you since, you know, it's like it's so funny, man. You just all wrong one, kid. It's not that's, that's so not funny. the one you want. You don't want that one. That, ex that ex working in a record store was such a rad experience and and like opening up music possibilities for me that mm. was a good time oh man it, i mean those record outlet days were killer you know because i grew up in montalvo you know too yeah. i knew you were you grew up there right and yeah um you know it was just the close i mean salzers was there but salzers had a bit of like you know i don't know if john was there then but there was a bit of snootiness to it and you know it felt didn't feel like a record store like record outlet did you know and even though salzers has a huge history of being a record store there was something a little more i don't know just like fucking authentic about record outlet back then you know what i mean it yeah was, i mean salzers yeah. was that kind of big place i mean i don't want to say i would never call them a corporate store but they not were at all sport, they were kind of they they definitely kind of had the corporate wannabe thing going on um, at least through some part of their existence, you know, when I was a kid, um, so I grew up in Montalvo too. And, uh, so Salzer's was relatively close. Mm -hmm. Um, but they were like the big store. Right. Mm -hmm. And so jailhouse records was up on Victoria where, uh, uh, Victorian telegraph. 
Oh, I didn't remember that one. And they were like the indie record store. Okay. And, uh, um, but the cool thing, like Salzer's, I bought my first punk rock everything at Salzer's. I got my very first punk rock t-shirt at Salzer's. Mm-hmm. It was a aggression shirt. And um, uh, Israel from False Confession worked at Salzer's. Mm-hmm. And we would just go in there because he was an older punk rock guy and we would just go in and he was he was already over it. Right. Right. He was like he wasn't really punk rock at that time. I mean, I think he kind of was in. I mean, as a kid, I thought he was like a death rocker or whatever, you know, and uh, uh, the false confession was gone and he was in a band called The Rain. Okay. And um. but nonetheless, he was an old punk rock guy. So we would go in and just kind of bug him, you know, and that was fun. But, uh, I bought a lot, you know, they had the store across the street, uh, where the rental car place is now that used to be a, they had their used records over there. Oh, really? Oh my God, Craig. And it was like, they had a ton of records, ton of records. And so we would go in there and you would be able to score just a ton of good punk rock records. Yeah. And uh, um, uh, so, yeah, Salzer's was big as far as not influencing me, but being there for me, you yeah, know, to sure. feed me my needs, you know, punk yeah. rock albums and uh, being in the vicinity of Nardcore, you know, in the 80s was uh, a big a big influence on us too and you know uh salzer's kind of was like you know they had all the nardcore stuff we wanted whereas gel house you could find it was more worldly like we could find you know new york hardcore you know a lot of english hardcore mm-hmm. you know pretty much whatever you wanted but the first uh <clears throat> the very first record that i bought solely based on the album cover knowing nothing of the band at the time was agnostic fronts victim and pain <laughs> nice, dude. and Hell uh, yeah. i'm just like this looks fucking punk like yeah. this looks hardcore man and so i i bought uh victim and pain having no idea what they sounded like and mm. uh that was uh monumental right, right i mean that album just it's shreds a, it's such a good record dude yeah. <laughs> and yeah you know so <clears throat> i went through a lot of you know i had a lot of influences and you know i kind of wanted to circle back real quick to the band thing and uh uh when <coughs> excuse me hyper attractive ended it, it sort of ended my love of music mm-hmm. and uh uh it was actually in 1999, uh, I moved into uh, Hastings, mm-hmm. and Brooks just like, dude, you got to play, you have to play music again. Yeah. And, uh, so, the first uh, iteration of Faker Mark was actually uh, uh, it was Nels, Brooke, and I, and then uh, Pat Bailey. Oh, okay. Yeah, we we brought Pat in to play bass, and you know, Pat's a drummer. Right. So it, yeah. it just didn't, that didn't work out. But, uh, and then we met Nick like mm. shortly thereafter. And right. so that's, so Faker Mark formed in 99. Yeah. And so Faker Mark, it's funny. I started playing in bands when I was 12, mm-hmm. 
but it literally, it wasn't until I was like 25, 26, 27, uh, where I was in bands that I loved what I was doing. Right. So, you know, part of it was we matured and we learned how to play music. And part of it was again, playing the music that you wanted to play. Right. And, uh, fake mark ended actually because of me. Um, I didn't want it to end. It was just at a, period of my life where I had too much on my plate and uh, being responsible. The thing that made the most sense to get rid of was the band. Yeah. And I hated the, the decision to do it, but I had to, it kills you, man. It's like cutting off your own legs. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like gnawing them off with a fucking screwdriver, you know? Yeah. Like, well, it's so hard to make. I made that decision for the raft, dude, and it fucking killed me. You know, I didn't want to touch a guitar for five years almost. Right. I mean, it's crazy. You know, but, you know, you like me, you know, I remember me and you talked about, you know, when Faker Mark, because Faker Mark was such a monumental time in in Ventura. You know, everyone talks about the Nardcore scene and what Nardcore did for punk rock and all that. But Ventura's fucking scene was, you know, very fucking like, I mean, it got legendary at certain points. You know, every band in Ventura was a fucking killer. And no matter who showed up out of town, whatever headliner showed up, you guys, fucking Glass and Ashes or Kenji or whoever was around at the time, there's about a thousand bands I'm forgetting. um, They better fucking bring it. You know what I mean? Because besides the headliner, there's 150 people that are showing up. And they're going to fucking rip their clothes off and... (laughs) you know, myself included, you know what I mean? And we're going to have a good fucking time. And always had a good time. Always going to be a big hug fest. You know what I mean? And like, there was many, many times I saw headlining bands that thought they had some clout. And then you would watch them, piles of people fall out of the fucking room after you guys right? played. Or that after was weird. and Ashes played. Or after, you know, whatever, the, you know, when the rats started or whatever. You know, so it was like, got to the point where we had to start telling people that come to the tour, it's like, hey, like, I understand you guys headline, but not here like it's not gonna it's gonna backfire on you yeah like do you want people to watch the band because we should definitely put glass and ashes last you know or right mark should play last or fucking uh, you know, i don't think else, you know? i don't know if we ever did do that but uh uh glass and ashes definitely had uh i mean what a amazing band and yeah. uh i i'm not i'll be honest here i always liked kenji best really okay I, oh my god they're there i was Kenji's so incredible. sad that they whatever i don't even know what you call that it's a transformation because they didn't break yeah. up right no they just turned into something but, else i mean glass and ashes <clears throat> songwriting was amazing but uh and part of it probably was mature maturity but kenji had this i don't even know like raw you know, youthful thing. And uh, it's funny because you think, okay, it's the same four guys and they essentially are playing the same music, but I think the song selections, you know, um, and, you know, I think again, probably uh, maturity played a big part of it, but Kenji was just so good. I know. And, and then glass and ashes, I mean, talent wise, they just, I mean, they were, I think they were the best among all of us. And, oh, for uh, 100%. Dude, yeah. You know, and uh, mm-hmm. um, not just based on their success, but, you know, as friends and, you know, they were so good. And it's, it's <laughs> you know, they the dynamic between, I mean, let's take uh, 
the drums out of it because the drums were great but the dynamic between the two guitars and the bass was just always so goddamn good and uh, it made me jealous actually that they were writing those songs and doing it so well and oh yeah you know jesse's playing and the the the, the melodies that he brought into these really hard songs was uh-huh. uh, just so beautiful the way Unreal. they composed. They were truly amazing. But let's not devalue the fact that, you know, in Faker Mark, uh, you guys would go up and, you know, you, Nick, and Brooke <clears throat> are on it, A game, and Nels, without a doubt, is the drunkest human you've ever met in your life. And you think there's no fucking way he's getting through this one yeah. and nails it <laughs> every fucking time <laughs> nails might hold the record for most like impossible comebacks you know yeah. on a show, you're like you're like you're there's i'm like i'm talking to him before the show and i'm all are you alive like what ha-? you know and nails is not like that you know what i mean we all had our fucking party times but and i love that man to death but i have never in my life seen someone like so out of their fucking mind and then as soon as the guitar was on they're all Woo! And, and he was on it dialed. he was always you know I mean? on it like, always how dude great i don't know how? man it's like maybe he needed time, to be drunk to play it was like a fucking it was a punt return to touchdown every <laughs> it was <laughs> good yeah it was ridiculous dude i mean you know yeah. it was just such fun times back then man and i you know it's hard for me obviously nostalgia kicks in it's hard for me to imagine there will be another time like that you know what i mean um for us craig for us for us so what's the thing is is it's happened it it will happen for the kids right it'll happen for the kids and that's awesome and you know that's part of uh you know after faker mark uh there was you know a couple years where i was busy but i've always wanted to play i i would still play today but i kind of went through this uh self-conflict thing where you know the music i want to play uh you know punk or hardcore has always been sort of a youth music um but and i'm old now but i realize other people are still doing it oh right i mean mean. other and so i'm like why why can't i still do it i still uh have all the same you know, my, my ideology hasn't changed. I, 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 this things, the same things that made me angry as a kid make me angry today. Even if I'm personally less affected by those things. Uh, but, uh, I just, I want to play hardcore music. I love hardcore music and, uh, uh, you know, somewhere, you know, I, uh, Nick uh, Dalton, you know, he and I were trying to play for a while and uh, he's like, what kind of, you know, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to rip people's faces off. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's the music I want to play. I want to play, you know, kind of a sonic, you know, just assault on the audience. And I don't care, you know, about a fan base or making records. I, I enjoy playing live. Right. And uh, I want to play music that will just kick people's ass. You know, if it's five people or a hundred people, you know, I just loud, hard, fast. Those are things that I like, you know, uh, I I still want to do it. I still, still got the guitars over there. And, uh, uh, you know, I don't really sit around writing music too often, but I, 
I'm always writing songs in my head. It's kind of yeah. funny, but, uh, um, <laughs> well, it's still... just so hard, man. You know, you shift, you know, as you get older, you, your gears shift and you got kids. I got kids. You have a fucking career. I remember it like many years ago, you're like, I'm going to college. And I'm like, what, what, you yeah. know, like, and it was like, you know, it, it was like at a time where it's like, you're a full grown fucking adult. You know what I mean? Like, why are you going back to school? And it's like, I, and I, you know, I know that you do, you know, basically, you know, hy- what is it like hydraulics engineering or something? I mean, what is it now? It's like, yeah. So for <clears throat> many years, that's, I was a waterworks engineer. So yes, right. it's, it's hydraulics, but not like mechanical engineering yeah. where yeah, a lot of people don't know that it's... hydraulics refers to water. <laughs> yeah. Water, like <laughs> yeah. municipal water work. Right. Um, and so I did a lot of water and sewer Mm-hmm. uh municipal design uh pumping and treatment and stuff and so now um where that led me is uh i actually manage a water district so right um, i mean it's just so wild because i mean first of all like back when we were younger to imagine that like bands that we listened to then would be doing their 30 year reunions and getting right. paid $50,000 a show. Right. All right. I say like the, 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 the length of hardcore and punk, like the life expectancy was never going to be 50 years. Like, you right. know what I mean? Like in my mind, it would have been nothing like that, you know, but it is that, you know? So, you know, when you say like, man, you know, the age, the ageism thing kicks in on you and, it's a young man's name. It's fucking not, dude. I mean, you look at neurosis, fucking killing it. Probably better than they've ever been. You know what I mean? And yeah. that shit just ages a time. You know what I mean? So, like, with you playing music again, I'm sure you could absolutely. But the, the problem is, is what I was getting to, is that with life, with kids, with this, I blink and a month fucking goes by. We talked right? about doing this podcast a month ago. Yeah. And I literally, like, yesterday was like, fuck. Dude, you know, like we were supposed to do it. But I've yeah. had uh, about six billion things happen since. Right. Then, you know what I mean? And I'm it's in like, the same boat. You know, and when music, when it comes to writing music, it's like I still have. It took me a long time to get it back, but I still am possessed by having to sit down and fucking play. You know, I've made like playing riffs and writing riffs like part of therapy for me. You know, when I'm stressed out, I'll disappear into the garage and fucking make noise for a minute because either that or i'm gonna scream at my kids which right. i probably do too much too you know what i mean right. so um it's it just it i i've learned how to build it into my daily habits you know what i mean um but and obviously you know we both have big boy fucking jobs you know what i mean so the time thing is i'm at a point now where i i have more time i'm out of the field I, i'm you know i'm i'm running an apprentice you know school and all the you know different things and I have a little fucking time to breathe and it's like yeah the first time this is actually today is my one year anniversary from taking a job from the local 12. is that right yeah so um nice. i've been i've been like you know a, a local 12 instructor for a year now but that's great um, and it's great you know what i mean i was but, stoked when you got in there i thought that's a good move that's oh, dude, definitely I mean, a good move I, you know so happy to be there you know what i mean it's just and and it's really yes i lost money i fucking took a huge pay cut going over there you know it's not a unlivable pay cut you know what i mean right um you know what you're making out in the field with overtime and all that shit is fucking you know you're losing a serious amount of money but you know what it also very hard on you well yeah i mean look at the fucking look dude you know grayer and shit you know what i mean you can't you live 24 hours a day on call and yeah and uh 
it just, it can fucking drain on you. So I started really thinking like when the job came, I said, what do I want, dude? I want time. I want fucking time. I missed a lot of my kids, you know, early life. I missed a lot of fucking things. I mean, I made it to birthdays and all that shit, but you know, there's a lot of shit I missed, man. You know, and um, I'm I'm in the rare position now where I'm able to carve out the time for myself, which is really nice. And now that your kids are, our kids are about the same age, you know, they're self-sufficient. They can, you know, they, you know, they can fucking, you don't have to tend to every need anymore, you know? So you are at the time where you can start carving that, that shit out for yourself. You know what I mean? Right. I'd love to see it. I mean, cause I know, I know your musical taste and I know your talent. It'd fucking probably be terrifying. You know what I mean? I would love awesome. for it to be. Yeah. It'll happen. I mean, you know, you just got to make it happen. But it's that's uh, part of that, like weird punk rock shit. I talk about it all the time is like, you know, you use this like DIY <clears throat> ethics to, First of all, advance yourself in a career that's engineering is fucking impossibly hard. You know what I mean? It's like it's so fucking hard. I'm not I'm a moron. I can count some grades for you. You know what I mean? <laughs> I can make you some pads and build you a road, but design it? No. You know, I'm out. But you know what I mean? The thing is, is you can, and that's that's kind of how I grew in the in the field was by experience. Uh-huh. So your experience in the field would translate into the design side of it and that's kind of what happened with me is i had the practical experience that you know carried me along and uh the other thing was i just had a knack for it i i clicked with it and uh you know i found i'm lucky right because not not everybody finds that where shit just clicks together and uh so i definitely got lucky and uh you know i worked really hard and uh um like you just said you know i had years with no vacations yeah uh maybe i had days off but no vacations and so being here where i am now um very very happy i've worked a long time to get to here and Mm -hmm. so you know now i can do some of those things you know and have time make time for the kids take a vacation you Mm -hmm. know do stuff like that and uh uh, it's a big deal, but, um, yeah, yeah but that, that ability, <clears throat> you know, like all of us have, you know, growing up playing punk and doing shows and booking a show and taking a chance on your own self and eating shit when it falls through and no one else to blame, but you like that stuff goes so far into the real world, you know, because most people at, you know, my age or your age, they decided, you know, for you to go all in on yourself and take a chance and go to fucking college and finish an engineer with an engineering degree and all this shit. Like a lot of people actually, don't... I, I dropped out. Well, okay, fine. <laughs> you got the fucking job, right? Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. yeah. How many engineers get to drop out? And still got the job punks. Right. That's how many, right. <laughs> no, that's actually why I dropped out. Cause I already had the job. So yeah. So it's like, <laughs> fuck it, dude. But I, so, I, I just, I've always, I see this, I see this huge parallel you know, line that comes from the people like me and you and, and, you know, John Scheimer and all these people that have made their own niche in their own world and decided to take it somewhere else and make it somewhere else. And, you know, those people tend to do well. I did really well quick and you did really well quick. And, you know what I mean? And it's because you're willing to probably stand up when it's your fucking fault and be like, dude, it's my fault. I fucked it up. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure ownership taking ownership and you know what i mean all that stuff i I, I just find that stuff translates so quick you know what i mean into the real fucking world you know because most people can't do it most people can't fucking they can always point the finger and say it's someone else's fault or 
You know what I mean? There's always a reason it's fucked up or this and that. And it's yeah. like, well, dude, you know, sometimes it's just you, man. You fucking yeah. put the work in. <laughs> you got to own it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's true. No, absolutely. You know? It's, uh, I spent a lot of, uh, a, a lot of time and a lot of effort to uh, try to make sure I wasn't that guy, you know, who, uh, and I don't mean not taking the blame. I, I would always take, you know, I would own up to uh, uh, something if I, you know, if I caused a problem of any, I, I tried to not make the mistakes. And I mean that too. Like I tried really, really hard to, uh, you know, do well at what I was doing and uh, um sort of risk avoidance by, you know, trying to prevent the mistakes before they have, everyone makes mistakes, right? It's yeah. going to happen. But, uh, you know, when you're working and your work is being uh, heavily scrutinized, right? Especially mm -hmm. your work is being heavily scrutinized. Um, and the work I did was uh, very, you know, you know, they look at that with a microscope, you know? Oh, yeah. And well, you're, you're, you're building literally public works, right? You're, yeah. you're working on highways and stuff, you yeah. know, and I, I'm working on water infrastructure. It yeah. matters. A, yeah. a you lot. cut corners on a fucking water structure. Guess what? It don't work yeah. or it blows no. up or fucking, right. if I cut corners on building a bridge, it's a catastrophic fucking failure. <laughs> you, know I mean? like, you know, and there's a reason those things are in place. I mean, yeah. I'll be full disclosure. I've been sitting with plans going, this doesn't fucking work. I don't know yep. what this fucking engineer is talking about. Yeah. You know, and you do see, and maybe you can kind of speak to this, but the last three, four years of my career, I saw a lot of fucking guys coming straight out of college, engineer degrees, fucking now they're a fucking inspector. They have had zero field experience. You know, they're running at me with the fucking standards. You know, you can't do this. It says right here. You know what I mean? And I got in trouble. I slapped the book out of one guy's hand once you know, out of the floor, you know, because it had nothing to do with what I was doing. You know what I right. mean? So why don't you yeah. fucking look around? You know what I mean? Like there's a lot mm -hmm. of that type of shit that happens, you know, but a lot of these guys like with you having previous experience in the field and understanding how shit works, probably it makes your job a lot fucking easier. It does. You know that it just doesn't work that way. You know, right. Sometimes the plan is not going to transfer to the fucking to the the ground you know or whatever it is you know what i mean it's the same thing with like booking a fucking tour tour yeah. looks great on paper you know what i mean i've booked a, a bunch of tours all looked great on paper <laughs> i mean you get to the city and you're like oh my god the kid that booked the show is 16 and he can't show up now because he's grounded so wow like there's no one to open the door you know like you know everything looks good on paper you know yeah I had a really hard time with some of the guys that were brand, brand new that um, just had no frame of reference for the, how the world works, you know? That's one thing that's really interesting about uh, the broad uh, engineering field, if you will. Uh, we'll talk about civil engineering because that's where you and I both work. But uh, um kids who come out of school with no practical experience uh they actually there's a lot of stuff that you learn in school that you have to unlearn as soon as you get when out. you get out in the field because uh things change you know the the reality of putting things together construction is not necessarily what comes from a textbook and uh i we hired uh i'll make this quick but we hired an engineer at my old office and uh uh 
I was telling her how to do something and she was arguing with me, telling me that it couldn't be done. And I said, well, of, you know, of course it can here, you know, I was giving her, trying to help her do it. And uh, she said, well, in my uh, materials class, I learned that this was, you know, whatever. She goes, you can't do that. And I'm like, you can. I said, you need to forget what you learned in school. And, just, <laughs> yeah. you know, and yeah. it was like a problem, like an all day problem. And uh, it's, you know, practical experience. And, you know, that applies to everything, not just really the work that, you know, the field that we're in. It applies to everything that, uh, you know, and we, we can't really teach that in a classroom, right? You got to get out there and experience it. And, you know, that's part of our, uh, you know, the American education system, uh, you know, just another flaw there, but uh, yeah. You know, I've always said that high school, even when I was in high school, I thought, you know, they, I read a statistic. Basically, you you retain like a tenth grade level when you actually graduate high school. You know what I mean? Right. So I thought, why not fucking do nine and ten, normal school? <clears throat> then, if you want to decide to focus on a trade, you know what I mean, or something. Maybe there's some ROP programs you can focus on for two fucking years, and then now when you get out of high school, you got two years of a fucking trade under your belt, whether it's construction, whether it's auto yeah. shop, whether it's welding, whether it's fucking carpentry, whatever. You yeah. know what I mean? It's, or I if you it's decide that you want to go for the academic, you continue the academic. Yeah. You know yeah. I, mean? I think it's a real shame that we don't have the uh, trade, you know, focus at, you know, young, you know, high school age, the ROP, you know, that kind of stuff, because uh, we had it, you know, yeah. when I was in high school. Yeah. And it was important for, you know, some kids getting their start at life. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, not everybody is cut out for academics. And, I'm uh, definitely not. Yeah. I mean, teaching trades are, are hugely important. Mm-hmm. And uh, our education has been so focused on college. And, uh, you know, think about that too. Look at uh, the cost of college nowadays and the debt that people have accrued. I mean, it makes you kind of think, you know, why the focus on uh, higher education was it all really to, you know, earn money? Was it about put a whole entire generation in debt? So they'll fucking never get out. You know what I mean? It's ridiculous. Every, every college graduate I know works at Trader Joe's. Yeah. You know what I mean? And nothing on Trader Joe's. It's fine. It's a great job, but I mean, yeah, great. You're a hundred fucking grand in debt and you're, you know, I mean, at best the fucking manager at Trader Joe's, you know what I mean? And guess yeah. what? The managers at Trader Joe's, the guys who move up real quick are a bunch of punk rock motherfuckers that fucking didn't do shit. <laughs> I yeah. mean, besides have a real right. experience. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. yeah, man, like it's just, it's goofy to me. You know, me and Rosie used to fight about it a lot. She's like, you know, when the kids go to college, I'm all, fuck that, dude. They're not going to, why, why? You know what I mean? Like, don't you know why why you know like obviously you want to do your community college shit or whatever figure out who you are i'm firmly i'm a firm believer in you fucking off in your 20s you know what i mean like figure out who you want to be but that's hey fucking you know don't get yourself into a hundred thousand dollars in fucking debt no i'm out with a art history fucking degree and then be surprised when there's no jobs for it yeah it's like honestly that's what i did man i i uh I, I fucked off in my twenties and, uh, you know, I was playing music. I was having a good time. And, uh, 
I didn't know where the hell I was going or what I was going to do. You know, I, I, uh, I, I wasn't a good high school student. And then uh, I started college immediately after high school and just was over it. Right. Just like not into it at all. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, playing music, that's what I was going to do. And uh, I had no, you know, delusions that uh, I was going to make it per se, but I I wanted to make it my way. You know, if I could sustain, you know, if I could tour, if I could make records, which, you know, I never did any of that because it's just, you know, the bands, they didn't do it. And um, I remember my mom, uh, she kept saying, you know, when are you going to, when are you going to give up the music? When are you, when are you going to grow up? Not in a dick way. Like she wasn't being mean. She's like, when are you going to, you know, move on? And I said, you know, when I'm, I remember telling her once, I'm like, you know, when I'm 22, mom, when I'm 22, if, if, if I'm not, if the band's not doing anything, I'll go to college. And I was 22 and she said, so you going to school? And I said, when I'm 25, mom, (laughs) when I'm 25, if I haven't done anything, you know, I'll go to school. And that's actually what happened when I was about 25, uh, scene yeah maybe about 20 yeah I actually I went back to college when I was about 25 and then um did all my you know lower division work and then completely changed direction when I was 27 and that's when I moved into the engineering you know path and uh it was because of a job that I had yeah so actually the job that I got you know Gear influenced you my that. education yeah. you know choices so that's, that's cool man. yeah how i got here so that's a but, great yeah year. yeah so something yeah. i uh i read today ventura just announced did you see this that they just um declared racism in ventura county a public health crisis did you see this in the county yeah wow no where Good, did you right? where do i read this uh it's uh there's an article uh, I okay can pull it up, I'm sure. i'll look for it that's actually that's 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 kind of smart actually well and it's you know and i think it's a part of a broader here let me i'll share my screen real quick it's part of a broader thing you know i i just thought it'd be you know because you kind of work you know in the in the area i was wondering if you heard any anything no that's that's really interesting let me see can you see that not yet oh there it is yeah so ventura county racism is declared a public health crisis so it's all in this effort to you know uh, obviously with george floyd and you know brianna taylor and all that you know basically they're going to start they're going to the resolution has been passed where they're going to start discussions involving the ventura county sheriff and committee organizers form of panelists you know black lawyers of ventura stuff like that you know what i mean to start trying to you know, figure out, you know, fair rent and, you know, a bunch of different kind of things I read through today, but I was like, wow, that's a weird, you know, and that, that headline is obviously an attention grabber, you know, Um, but, you know, I thought, man, what, you know, Ventura is always known for being like being such a weirdo Republican kind of fucking staunchy, you know what I mean? Like, county they're the only ones that won't let you sell weed still they're fucking you know what i mean like all yeah. these weird things you know i thought wow what an interesting fucking move to do that you know what i mean it's just i mean with like, especially with the political climate right now you know obviously yeah it's, it's insane you know what i mean it's, yeah 
but yeah, I thought it was. Yeah, I'll I'll check that out. I, I'm interested in reading that. So yeah, I mean, it's not much of a fucking thing. It's basically an announcement, you know. Yeah, I I I looked it up while you were. There's a couple other articles I could read, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. I I for the longest time, uh, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, uh, I've wanted to run for city council here in Ventura. Oh really? Yeah, it's something I always wanted to do. I mean, this is my home. You know, I'm yeah. I'm born here. You too, right? You were born here. No, not in Ventura. Oh, you weren't. No, I moved okay. here when I was like twelve. But you know, I knew I you grew up here. But I, I, you know, I'm I'm actually third generation. So, um, uh, being on the city council is something I've always wanted to do, and uh, uh, not so much now, you know, because their meetings are at night and I'm fucking tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Uh, I don't know how well uh, are you. Are you used to wearing a suit and tie and all that? You know? I could do all that. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. no problem. But you know, some yeah, of those it's, it's a trip, dude. And... I mean, especially with like what's going on with the fucking presidency and all this stuff. You're just like, oh my god, you know, like 2020 has been a general shit show. I mean, a, besides the silver lining of the Lakers and the Dodgers, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, there ain't much else. It's been you know what though. Like, <laughs> honestly, like you know with what trump's doing right now like i'm kind of excited because i can't wait to see how it ends like yeah. like this is uh you know i'm not excited about joe biden you know no and it, 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 it's really it, it's so hilarious how the uh the trump supporters think that every you know all these people are biden supporters and uh i heard a guy saying you know that uh um two different instances uh one a person and i'm sure you've heard this but he says how come you know you know people biden supporters aren't really all behind him they're more they're just more anti-trump anti -Trump. yeah and i'm like yeah yeah exactly it that's it don't you get that yeah. and uh then another guy i heard in public he was ranting to another guy <clears throat> And uh, he said, you know, all these people think Biden's the Messiah. And I actually jumped. I, these are strangers. And I butted in and I go, no one thinks that, dude. Like nobody, <laughs> no nobody thinks that. Yeah. I said, this, yeah. this is, this is, you know, we need to get Trump out of office. No one loves Biden. I mean, yeah. I'm sure that there's, you know, so out of what, there were 75 million voters, right? So out of those 75 million, let's say maybe 30% of those people are Biden supporters. Right. They don't realize that, you know, freaking 40 million people voted just to get Trump out of office. And not that only that, just that to not hear the fucking man. guy's name anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like this dude has occupied so much mental fucking space in my brain yeah. and it's not because i'm absolutely i hate his guts you know what i mean he's a moron i knew exactly who he was when he got in office yeah not one thing he's done has been a surprise to me um Nothing. you know what i mean I've not been even this the whole right time now. the What's whole time right he's now? the kid that loses the game and wipes the table you know what i mean like yeah that's it's gonna be everything that. happening right now we've had a preview to he we knew yeah. Like I, I, are you surprised? I'm not surprised because right. he's been talking about election fraud yeah. for five years, even yeah. before he became president. 100%. And it's all, he's been sowing the seeds and his base yeah. is so freaking dumb that they just eat it up. And yeah, it's, uh, it's hard, man. It, you know, I'm just honestly, man, like I'm just excited to forget who the fucking president is for a minute. 
Yeah, that'll be nice. You know what I mean? Like, like really, it's like, you know, and I heard this really funny comedian named Tim Dillon was saying, like, it was on a podcast. Was listening. He's like, he's all, dude, look, he's all, I'm not a Biden guy. He's all, Trump's out of his fucking mind. He's all, but it's like America's been on a coke binge for four fucking years. And it's either like, do you guys want to ride it off the rails until we all fucking die? Or do you guys want to kind of slow down a little bit and maybe go right. to rehab and fucking you know I mean? try to fucking have some sort of like pump the brakes yeah. just a fucking for a minute. You know what I mean? It's like, dude, it's the perfect analogy, man. Like, yeah, you know, no, I just can't good. wait to not remember who the fucking president is. I want yeah. a dead. I want a. I want a warm corpse in that fucking position. Yeah, I you know what you. I mean, and that's exactly what it like. You know what I mean? I'll be shocked if he makes it two terms alive. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not planning on that either. But yeah, you know, know. Uh, one thing that you know, our our side, I don't, I don't know if we have a side, but basically anti-Trump people, I'm one of them. You know, uh, one thing I want to say this is because it's important for people to recognize and understand that there is one thing about Trump that I actually like a lot. Mm-hmm. And that is in these four years, he hasn't been bombing the fuck out of other countries. Yeah. And I got to say like that, yeah. I care about that. Like that's a yeah, big deal to me. It, you're, you're not wrong. And I, I, you know, me and Shimer talk about it all the time and there are things that Trump's done that are, you know, rolling you you know how this goes rolling back some of this red tape on some of the environmental shit obviously not gutting national parks and all this stuff but some of this environmental shit that really cannot fucking get jobs started stuff like that that's the type of stuff some of it can help you know yeah. you know uh but what you know yes he has not been bombing countries but he has been actively mentally fucking fracturing this place 100 so I'm not, like, I'm not, I'm not trying to defend worse. him. I'd almost I'm, rather the drone strikes in Yemen than <laughs> fucking, you know what I mean? Than the mental fucking, like, I, like I literally, that we've experienced over the last four years. has nothing <laughs> to do with defending the guy. It's right, just yeah, that I, yeah, I yeah. do appreciate that we haven't been bombing everybody. There's, there's no other, like, good thing I could say about the guy. I mean, yeah. uh, uh, I think he, it's funny and not in a actually humorous way, but uh, I think Trump is the beginning of the end of this country. It's and uh, and uh, I think uh, we're going to see a lot of change. Our kids are going to see a lot of change. And uh, mm-hmm. um, I think uh, the U.S., you know, I don't know when, I don't know, you know, how long it's going to take, but I think the U.S. will end at some point. And I think that Trump is actually... Uh, uh, going to be sort of the catalyst that started because his base Mm -hmm. so there's going to be a change to the republican party yeah and we're going to see it and Mm -hmm. because there's going to be a lot of trump wannabes coming out now and uh some of these younger uh republicans whether they're senate in the senate or governors whomever they're going to sort of adopt some of his policy and it's like i have a buddy who is uh real conservative and but he's also really intelligent and you know he's like you know he he didn't vote for he actually voted for biden and i thought it was funny because i told him i said well you can vote for uh joe jorgensen and uh um he told me after the election he said i I voted for biden i said really i gave you an out and he says we're in california what's it matter right okay but uh anyway california you're done anyway uh you know one thing i told him that you know if 
Trump would have kept his mouth shut for four years, he yeah. probably would get reelected. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, policy-wise, the reality is he hasn't actually done very much. Right. I mean, you can you can put together a list of things he's done. Some of them are largely symbolic. He actually, right. he actually hasn't really done very much. And, uh, you know, people try to talk, uh, talk up his Middle East uh, peace thing. It's very symbolic. I mean, yeah. the UAE, like... There's what very they, little you know, actual policy that's come out of it. You know, it's, I mean? it's crazy. It's, it's <clears throat> not, it's hard to call it a success if, you know, it's nothing more than symbolic success, but, but you're uh, right. If he would have shut the fuck up for at least like the last couple years, not only that, if he would have leveled with the American people on how bad COVID is and actually fucking did the things he was supposed to do and really locked it down. No, I'm not saying locked the country down. I think some of this has been handled a little fucking crazy, but sure. You know, if, if he would have, you know, done the American people the favor and leveled with them and honest and kept it fucking, hey, this is going to be really fucking bad. And this, we would have got through without fucking the chaos that we're in now. He would have absolutely fucking won. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. there's no way, you know, and and there are things that, you know, I mean, yes, he's a fucking asshole. He's a sexist. He's probably a fucking racist. I mean, it's, you know what I mean? There's, he is racist. Very, I mean, there's a lot of signs that point towards it. You know, it's funny because he he thinks he's not a racist because he has black friends. Right. (laughs) Like like that that does not make you you a racist. But what he is, is, you know, this and, uh, you know, I I heard this really good take from this guy, Bo, uh, Bo the fifth. He does a like short YouTube things. Really smart fucking dude. Always thinks outside the box and stuff. But, you know, he was he was saying that, like, how dangerous this time really is, you know, because even when Trump does secede or gets ripped out or whatever the fuck happens, you know, what this does is this paves the way for another one who is fucking smarter and is more mild mannered and can speak well and fucking, you know, can, can figure out how to manipulate these types of ideologies into our country. And, you know, guess what? It's already, it's been here. You know I mean? This country started on blood and slavery and fucking torture you know what I mean? And we really have not reckoned with that. You know what I mean? Besides what we did to the black people, but what we did to Native Americans. You know what I mean? Like, right. you know, and I say that the proverbial we, my family ancestry is not from here. You know what I mean? Right. We were enslaving the Turks back then. You know what I mean? Wherever right. I was from. But, well, you know, it's like we've never really reckoned with it. And I think that it's hard because, you know, when I see my kids and I see your kids and, you know, we're not raising our kids like this. You know what I mean? And, I, I really, I try to have hope because my kids don't have an issue with this. My kids at 12 years old understand more about politics than I ever fucking did being yeah. a punk rocker. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and so that gives me hope that like this shit eventually will go away. That uh, type of mindset will fucking go away. But also America's too big. You know what I mean? Like It's too fucking big, man. Like That's it. How are you we're, not we're, gonna splinter off at a no, point? No, we're we're too know? big and uh frankly too diverse. And you know, these uh uh some people in some regions, I just I don't get it, man. I I don't get their way of thinking. And you know, they want you know, people talk about uh conservatives is you know wanting to preserve the 50s or whatever okay great you know 
if, if that's your if that's your thing you know if you're a good person and you want that kind of uh cleaver family lifestyle like cool right but yeah if you're uh, a white dude you know what i mean but no so that's actually my point is <laughs> yeah. what i'm getting at is in parts of the country what they're actually talking about is preserving white dominance right yeah, period i mean there's no there's no denying power, that. you know and so you know i talk to people about like what you mentioned about uh um acknowledging you know the united states acknowledging genocide mm -hmm. of the indigenous people and the native american people um and you know uh barack obama was trying to make sort of strides towards you know acknowledging america's past and that just pissed people off you know oh, yeah that, uh, you know i believe um I believe that there should be reparations both for black Americans and native Americans. I'm not going to put a dollar amount on it because I have no idea, but I guarantee if you took a tiny, tiny little splinter out of the military budget, you'd probably make a lot of really happy Americans. Right. Yeah. And I'm talking you know who like, has the best take on that is killer Mike uh, from yeah. run the jewels. Yeah. His fucking take on reparations is is so fucking smart. He says, "Listen, I want black land ownership. Yeah. I want land ownership." And not only that, like in certain generate and areas like he he even went as far as he's like he's like I want all, you know, uh, maybe 50% or 60% of all in, like marijuana fucking um entrepreneurs to be black. Shit yeah. like that. You know what I mean? Like he's so smart with that because he understands that the, tr the way to true fucking freedom is owning your own fucking land is owning yeah. your property, you know, owning your own business, you know, like what, yeah. with what he just did recently by creating his own bank. I don't know if you saw that. I mean, this fool just started his own fucking bank, right. yeah. you know, who does that shit? Yeah. You know what I mean, he Rich has the people. best fucking take, you know, I, it's hard for me to say like everyone gets, you get a car and you get a car. It's irresponsible. It's fucking dumb. You know what I mean? Cause we're built on consumerism. We're built on yes. money. You yes. know, but if you were to actually really deal with the things that, you know, that, you know, the real fucking issues, the only way you're going to move past this stuff is to really acknowledge it and fucking try to make it better. You know what I mean? But so you know, when I talk to the right wing, you know, psychos that I know, it's like, oh, we're just supposed to give everyone money. It's like, dude, no, nah, man. But it is way more complicated than you understand. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and it's more complicated than I understand because I'm is. not a fucking black it's... man and I'm not a Native American. No. And realistically, I've been I can tell a cop to go fuck himself without being fear of being shot. You know what I Correct. mean? Like I have these privileges, you know what yes. I mean? You know, and I'm not gonna say that I have to bow down to every fucking every single person's whimpering right or beck and call for anything, but you know, I, I do acknowledge that myself, I have fucking rights as like a white dude, you know what I mean? Like, and it's, you know, it, it's hard. Like it's, I, you know, it's honestly part of the reason I shaved my beard off, dude. It, it sounds weird, but like when all this shit was happening and the, and it, you know, I'm not trying to make it anything, a political statement, but when all this stuff started happening with the George Floyd protests and all this stuff, I, I, I looked, you know, 20 plus years of having fucking a big, huge beard as a white fucking dude with tattoos. I see. And I started thinking like, I, I started thinking about identity and what is my yeah. identity? Am I like the big fucking white tattoo dude with a beard? Like, you know what I mean? And I really thought like it was like a, a, 
it was like a crisis of identity. Like, fuck, dude. Like, everyone, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not, you know, yes, I went to some of the protests and all that stuff, but I really started looking at myself like deeply, like, and I had to really think about like my own personal biases as a punk rocker who's punched Nazis, who fucking generally fights for the fucking, you know, the things that we all fight for. Even I have built in fucking biases and I have built in things that I wasn't like recognizing about myself. And I'm not saying that having a beard makes you a racist, but you know, I spent 20 years as this one type of fucking guy. Right. And I started thinking like, dude, if we're all going to start taking a look hard, look at ourselves, you know what I mean? Like why not challenge the one thing that has been me for 20 plus fucking years? You know what I mean? And it might sound dumb. You know what I mean? Like, but it was a big, like, it was a big thing for me. I mean, I fucking, I like, you know, I seriously almost broke down. I couldn't look at myself yeah. in a mirror for a month. <laughs> yeah. like, but it challenged me to get outside of myself. And, you know, and I'm not saying it has anything to do with the fucking plight that's going on in America. But, you know, I just thought like, man, if we could all just take a minute and really put ourselves in someone else's shoes and just see what it's like to live that fucking life, because it's really a, this is a classism issue. You know what I mean? Like, 100%. I grew up just as poor as any fucking black guy in any black neighborhood. Yeah. Just as fucking poor. I dealt with the same shit. Yes. I'm not afraid to tell a cop to go fuck himself. But in Montalvo, uh, when we got the cops called on us, guess who was talking to him? You know what I mean? <laughs> like I was the one sitting there. Hey, Gringo, get in there fucking talk to the cops. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's fine with me. I'm fine with it. You know, but yeah. just, like if people could really take a minute and just think about their fucking what you know how lucky they are or what it is you know you might really fucking reconsider some things you know yeah it's funny because you know i love you know people talk about you know i didn't grow up with privilege you know i had to work yeah. for everything i had and it's like completely missing the point right sorry right. sorry but you know and like you know, at certain times i felt like that you know what i mean like, i've never you know once i you know kind of started listening and uh appreciating you know the words from other people i got it you know and uh caught you know my wife gets it and so we could talk about it and uh i'm fully aware of every ounce of privilege that i've had it doesn't mean i i could be aware of it like you said step in other people's shoes we we can't like we can't we can't know we can we can sort of sympathize but we can never actually empathize with what's happened to people based right. on their skin color i mean have have you ever been discriminated against probably i have but it's not yeah. it isn't the same it's not the same it's not, it's the, not the same, same. <laughs> you know what i mean yeah yeah and i've never no. i've never once had to explain to my children that if you have to talk to a cop you keep your hands out of your pockets and you you know right. what i mean like i've never had to have the fucking to talk with my kids like you know what i mean like as, you know that type i've never had to experience that you know what i mean and yeah i'm not ignorant enough to think that you know my plight is the same as theirs. but you know this really is like this this whole system has been based on first of all keeping people divided and you know the more people are divided the easier they are to control but really it's a class system i mean it's you know there's it rich and poor and there used to be that middle fucking gap of you know middle americans like I grew up in low poverty, you know, I, you grew up in maybe fucking mid, you know what I mean? Like maybe low, you know what I mean? If you're from Montalvo, probably low, yeah. but um, you know, that middle class has gotten so fucking far apart at this point 
you know, now it's either the super fucking rich or everyone's poor. And that's, it's exactly how yeah. they've constructed it. You know what I mean? It's well, again, I say I mean, day, even, like the proverbial day, you know, I know, the but state, you know? <laughs> even the way I grew up, I mean, I, I grew up, my parents divorced when I was very young. So right. uh, we, we were very poor and, uh, but you know, I think that you could probably find a way to connect this to, you know, not being wealthy privileged, but white privileged and that ownership kind of, you know, that what you were mentioning before, but uh, my grandparents actually owned our home that we lived in. And so even though we were dirt poor, we had a home and that's everything, right? If you have a roof over your head, I mean, that's kind of everything. And so we, you know, as a kid, you know, I wanted uh, a Pal Peralta skateboard, but instead I got a Nash, (laughs) you know, know, I wanted a diamond back, but I got a Huffy, you know, and uh, that's just the way it was. And I still got a scar on my arm from a Huffy, dude. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny, Craig, because uh, I make really good money. Right. And I'm still poor. Totally. And it's, it's here. It's not yeah. my bank accounts fine, but right. in my head, I forget. still behave like, a, uh, like I, you know, I grew up poor and, yeah. uh, you know, I'm, I mean, the way I parent, you know, the way I try to teach our kids about, you know, waste and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not, uh, uh, wasting food, wasting energy, wasting water, you know, and it all costs money. So it's wasting my money, you know, it's like my, that mentality, um, doesn't go away. It doesn't change and it doesn't, you know, change who we were growing up, you know, and that's, you know, kind of brings us back to, you know, how we identified with the punk rock culture and why we were part of it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, my uh my kids you know they don't realize it but uh because they don't really listen to punk rock music they they like some but uh uh they don't realize that you know from me culturally their upbringing you know they are being brought up punk rock they just don't know it right right you know that's beautiful man yeah you got to sneak it in on them yeah no matter how many terrible youtube songs they play you Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's ridiculous, yeah. man. Well, fuck, um, man. It's been great talking to you, brother. I mean, um, thanks so much for coming on. You know yeah. I, mean? I hope we uh talked about things you wanted to and I hope fuck, it's just whatever. <laughs> I always like catching up with you, man. As far as I'm concerned, it was just a good conversation. That's exactly what I want. I don't want right on. Uh, no agenda, just catching up with buddies. Yeah. Um, all right, guys. Well, uh, thanks for joining in. Uh check out the Patreon. I'm gonna be uploading the uh the old original podcast here in the next few weeks, I'm going to be uploading all that to the Patreon. So if you want to hear the original podcast, there's like 14, 15 episodes that's going to be coming on uh, patreon.com slash get heavy podcast. You can always get our masks and t-shirts are going to be up. Uh, they're on uh, get heavy podcast.bigcartel.com. Barney, thank you so much, brother. Uh, anything you want to plug besides the fact no, that we're going to start a band soon? No, but love you. Thanks for right. having me on. Love you too, brother. All right, man. All right.